if the, if you're not driven by the mission, by driven by the thing, the thing might not be enough to get you over and to do it again. But if you're driven by the mission, you'll say, okay, that was just you know the wrong stepping stone to the final goal. I'm gonna pivot to the right, left, pivot to the right, or just gonna leap. You're listening to the NEI Pioneer Podcast, where we showcase and share authentic stories of Northeast Indiana. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be interviewing NEI CEO, Stefan Frigia. This conversation really takes a peek behind the current of Stefan's role at NEI, from how he got started in economic development to his journey to this region. We asked about his leadership styles and his influences. So if any of those topics pique your interest, you'll want to stick around for this conversation. So with that introduction, let's get started with the podcast. Hello, and welcome to the NEI Pioneer Podcast, where we share stories from our region, from the heart of our region of Northeast Indiana. Uh, I'm Jonathan Sackett. I am the head of Marcom here at NEI, and today I'm partnering with Ryan Twiss. Ryan Twiss, I am the vice president of regional initiatives here at NEI. And this is a great situation where Ryan and I are teaming up to interview our boss, Stefan Frigia, who is the president and CEO of NEI. Hello. Welcome. Um, Stefan, how long have you been here now at NEI, and where exactly did you come from? Can you talk a little bit about your role in Arizona? Yeah, now it's been a little over two years. Um, I arrived here October 6, 2021. So this is my third winter in uh, in the Midwest. Came in from um, uh, Phoenix, uh, Arizona. I lived there for 18 years prior coming here. 18 years, and you moved here with your family. Correct. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my wife and I uh, have two kids, five and ten, which have been fun. They had a blast um, a couple of days after arriving here in early January of 22. Uh, they got their first snowstorm, and they never really experienced snow that way. So it was fun to uh, get them um, adjusted to the winters and actually liking it. They've never even seen snow before. They've seen snow, but for them, is it was, it was uh, fun. It was fun. <laughs> yeah, once you get here, you have less fun with the snow. Um, can we talk a little bit about? So you said you didn't get your start in economic development, and now mm -hmm. you're the president and CEO of a fairly sizable economic development, you know company so how did you how did you get your start how did you pivot how did you get into economic development overall well actually we joke enough about this topic because most economic developers don't start in economic development really? they uh life pulls you in the opportunity comes along um the uh, no one gets up you know uh, graduating from high school and it's like i'm gonna go to college to become an economic developer or even you know, finish college and say, so this is gonna do. Uh, there's a series of events that happens in life that um, kind of pulls you in an opportunity or a calling. You know, Some people have a natural calling about wanting to be part of the community and they volunteer different places. And then one thing leads to another, and all of a sudden now you find yourself in an organization that either the local level, at the city level, regional, um, sometimes at the state, you know, deals with economic development. So people kind of, follow their passions and, and ultimately could lead you there to economic development. Um, so think amongst like a destination, you know, that's, you'll know when you get there that you find fulfillment. For me personally, 
Um, I thought my career was going to be uh, in the built environment, um, designing infrastructure. Uh, that's what I went to school for. Um, I thought I was going to work for, you know, a consultant firm, you know, designing new cities, uh, urban environment, you know, you know, planning the, the freeway airport. Airports was actually my first career choice uh, uh, right out, out of school. Um, but then again, things happen. You get a random call from a professor that uh, that I was working with, you know, in the, during my graduate work. And tells me, so are you still in town? What are you doing? Please talk to my wife. Mm-hmm. And um, and because she was in economic development, uh, Kathleen Lee, and we're looking for someone that basically had my skill set, you know, my interests, and and they thought it was a fit, you know. And and typically that's how I got into it. Um, I don't say as a dare, but I was just like, well. <laughs> An opportunity came to me as I've never heard it, this of you. Um, <laughs> it was just got, as a curiosity. It's like, well, what can what can go wrong? And it's a conversation from an individual which I trusted. You know, I knew him as a professor, so we had a rapport. So uh, uh, because of that relationship, and econ development is all about relationships. Yeah. Um, so the relationships led me to a conversation on the spot, and and then typically as econ development, do you pivot? You know, that's probably you know one of the key traits in development that you gotta be comfortable with. You know, thinking on your feet. You gotta have a vision of what the mission is, needs to be about, um, and not be afraid of the conversation, the risk, and and actually pursue that. Uh, that will get you in trouble sometimes. Um, that's okay. Um, <laughs> you're, you're used to it by now. <laughs> yes. It's always good when the CEO tells guys like us that. It'll be okay if we get in trouble. <laughs> you know, yeah. th- th- that's called positive reinforcement at its best. Did um, So can we talk about your education a little bit? Because you're saying that most people don't come up through a, a certain route. I, I, m- my inclination was that if you were going to get into economic development, you would have some sort of a finance degree. That's, that's what I thought prior to coming here. Very rare, actually. Really? Yeah, I would say the most people that I've saw through my career – uh, a few will come out of a um, uh, tax policy um, kind of background, uh, some from pure policy. Mm-hmm. They'll enter into that conversation. Um, some people are, you know, storytellers, you know, so naturally getting out from a marketing angle and all of a sudden now then they get more technical about the product and the, co- the community they're selling. So because of that, they're good communicators. Um a few of them come in because they're data wonks, you know, so they get, and that's probably where my path, I was very good with, the, you know, data, the numbers, the the business models, and then from there, we kind of develop a little bit of a specialty around that. Um, and then the other venue is sales, um, you know, because ultimately we are in the business of selling, right? of communications, a good communicator is oftentimes will find themselves in a business development or sales role, comes in, learns the ropes on how you talk about a community, the assets, and from there, people that have a natural community calling this day. There's a lot of people that in sales will come, spend two years, and then bounce out hmm. because at the end of the day, um, the if you're not motivated by the outlook you know, of what 10 years on the road, that conversation may lead, 
um, the ups and downs, you know, they're they're different. You know, the, the, the economics, what we do is different than if I'm selling widgets. You know, it, it's it's interesting because uh, obviously you've got an accent, so you're not from. You here. noticed? Yeah, I noticed. Ooh. I just I just picked up on that today. I hope this doesn't go on my review. Um, but what I'm wondering is, so you were born outside of Boston, correct? And then, Grandfield. and at what age did you move to Italy? I was less than two years old. Okay, and how long were you there before you came back? I was a teen when I came back. Okay. Do do you think, you know, I I know that we just did that interview with um, Fort Wayne Magazine about, Mm -hmm. you know, coming in for, uh, coming in here from another country blah 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 i'm just wondering if do you think that that helped or hurt you in your career path being from another country basically do you think that that gave you a different perspective a different view absolutely i think it it did um provide me with a different lens um because as coming in everything is new so how do you impact a new region how you impact country um, how you navigate, you know, the the biases that people have, how you communicate, what people mean, body language, all that comes into play. And being quote unquote a foreigner, now your everything is you gotta learn everything as an adult and try to understand the jokes. Um, so I think that probably sharpens certain. T- uh, aspect of my personalities or how I read the room or interpret, you know, um, you know, visuals and, and other cues. Uh, so definitely that was possibly kind of a strength. But the because of my education, you know, I was say kind of primary, high school was also in a different framework, you know, taught me to actually look at the global picture. Um, taught me to just not look what happens within the jurisdiction of my own town, but think nations, right? You know, so I came from Italy, so I got my region, you know, one region out of 21 regions within the European Union, within a global economy. And um, in Europe, I would say probably more than uh, than the U.S., um, people speak multiple language. There is a lot more fluidity um, so I think the, but with tremendous differences, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, uh, yes, we have the EU, right. You know, but, um, at, even at the regional level, the, the rivalries between the small village and that's, is just like the soccer rivalries, you know, uh, they're epic, mm-hmm. you know, so imagine, you know, going up in an environment where there's so much, uh, inter-regional, uh, competition, tremendous history behind that goes down sometimes to millennia um and then you put into a, the context of the history of the of the region the, of the state of the country the wars that have been fought there is so much input that as a young adult you basically are taught explore encouraged to to learn and that kind of creates a different mindset on how you look at the world um, so coming back to the U.S., you know, obviously it's, a, it's different, very different. Yeah. Um, but it created a different framework for me to then work with my coworkers to explore issue a different way. Uh, and I also realized that um, the uh, often in time we are victim of our own thinking, you know, and if we start a conversation worrying about what can go wrong, and all what the walls are, the boxes. Mm-hmm. Guess what? You're never gonna move out of that corner. Yeah. 
Um, so I think all those experiences have helped me just be who I am. And I'm not sure if they can say because of that I'm in this role, but definitely because of those experiences, I am who I am. You know, I, I, I find that really fascinating because we, we talk a lot here in, in Northeast Indiana and joke about um, community rivalries rooted in 1950s high school basketball rivalries. Um, <laughs> it It's a whole different level when you're talking about medieval nation state uh, rivalries going back to actually warring factions and things like that. that that's a whole different level of... Uh, of community rivalry than we're used to here. Well, totally. see, and uh, yeah, I learned that when I first moved here and people were asking me what uh, what high school I went to, like <laughs> Sussex Hamilton in Wisconsin. Um, but that's interesting because, you know, you coming, coming here, you know, first and foremost out of Arizona, but out of Italy, it's interesting because you would think – that economic development would have to be people from a region that know the region like the back of their hand. So how did you, and this isn't a trick question, but how did you build this team around you knowing that I'm not from here, Ryan has been here, how long have you been with the organization? 13 years. 13 years. And, you know, you've you've been here over two years, Mm -hmm. going on three, and in two of those years, we've set records mm-hmm. for number of projects issued, um, number of outreaches we've had. I mean, it just seems like if you don't know the region like the back of your hand, that would make the job that much tougher. You're coming into this. You don't know the 11 counties that we service right away. Mm-hmm. You've got existing team members, and then you have to build out this communications that, hey, Northeast Indiana is here. Here's our brand. Here's who we are. Here's what the 11 regions represent. How tough do you think it was not being from here to still get a team and get that gathered around you being somebody from a foreign country predominantly? Building a team, no matter what industry and organization, uh, is the most critical aspect of of the job especially in leadership um i think coming here i was fortunate that there were people like ryan and many of the people in the the team that um had already in a kind of deep knowledge and networks you know within the region that made the the job you know easier to in some degrees but i would say um the reason why i you know we are able to evolve the team over time, you know, and kind of build certain uh, practices out of from scratch. Was that you know, kind of I understood the mission, and understood clearly what's our audience, the people that uh, we're supposed to serve need, and that did not change. Mm. Um, that does not change whether I do this job in Phoenix or I do it here. I could go back to Italy do the same job. Because at the end of the day, we're serving people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people, depending where you go, people are people. We joke around that, that topic a lot. Yes. Um, the problems that uh, people are trying to solve, the matter of the geography, are still the same. Um, people are trying to be productive. You know, uh, you know, in capitalist societies, uh, we're looking to make a profit. You know, so there is fundamental business problem that are homogeneous, you know, and they have a lot of commonalities. Um, so what varies, you know, is, uh, yes, the industry, you know, have certain rules, regulations that vary, and how you do things, you know, obviously will vary. Um, the And the community aspect, what the community has to offer, 
varies. But if you have can crystallize in your mind what your customer wants, needs, and what we're solving for, you know, what's X, then the rest of the equation, you know, there's a process on how you solve an equation. It could be a simple equation, it could be a quadratic you know, expression. So you follow the process in mathematics and you solve for X and you move along. And then when you then don't know the answer because you have a process, well, if I know that Ryan knows the answer, I'll just go to, to Ryan. If Ryan doesn't know the answers, we have partners that are local that you know most likely know someone that knows someone that knows someone that knows the answer. Okay. So my job is then to have a team that is not afraid to go and find the question and ask down the rabbit hole who has the right answer. So we become the concierge. We'll do the finding, right? You know, and we'll deliver to you the answer. I don't need to know everything, but you're gonna need to trust us that I'll know how to find the answer for you quickly and faster than you can. Well, okay. See, you know my background, which has been predominantly advertising and mostly agencies. And I think you know I've had to. I guess I'm wondering, coming from how much, how much. Do you think informing this team around you, how much of it came from mistakes you think were being made in Arizona versus, no, I'm trying to get this more to a dream team, right? Because there's an inherent difference. If you come in here, Arizona was, you guys, your numbers would have buried NEI, I'm sure, as far as, yeah, I mean. They do. Yeah. So you're, you're coming in from a situation where it's probably more order taking and less selling. Than, than it is here. NEI, we have to really promote. People might not know where Indiana is. We're, uh, you know, in the grain belt. Yeah, more more of a blank canvas than a Phoenix market, right. for sure. It's funny you say that, but when I sat on the uh, in Arizona, uh, we were having similar conversations. Well, people don't know Phoenix. Uh, we are from our country. Uh, really? If I go to London, what people know about Arizona? So suburb of LA. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's only very few locations across the country or even globally. They can say, yeah, New York, New York, Chicago, LA, Hollywood. Right. Yeah. Uh, And those are basically because they spent a long time building a brand. Um, So they have, you know, decades worth of brand validation and brand recognitions. Everybody else is still pretty much a non-territory because, again, we're dealing not with lasting brands but with people. So it's about individual exposure to the brand, you know, because you can have someone that never heard of Coca-Cola. Mm, yeah, um, that's true. And so for them, Coca-Cola, what is this? Um, and you can't sell it by saying brown sugar water. It's got to yep. be a brand. Bingo. So do you think, you know, as you were going through this process and saying, okay, you know, I'm going to move on. I've been here in Arizona for 15 years, and I'm going to go take this position in northeast Indiana. How off were you in your predictions? So, in other words, I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to do this, this, and this, and it's going to follow the plan, and it's going to work. How much pivoting did you have to do? And that's not a trick question. I just I know that there's always – you know, there's always going to be a boulder in front of you somewhere that, that you didn't see coming. It happens in advertising. It happens in marketing. It happens in life. Uh, be careful, though, because no one prefaces a straightforward question with this isn't a trick question. This is a trick question, Stefan. <laughs> no. Yeah. I, I'm just – but I am concerned. Uh, the concern is as you're going through this, like how much – 
did you think this would be an easier job? Did you think this would be an easier gig? Or were you just so excited that you thought, no, I'm going to build the team that I wasn't able to build because it was already built when you were in Arizona? I mean, that's it's a complicated question, a complicated answer. Um, what I, I can say is that um, when actually doing the interview process, um, I was asked to provide, you know, a 30, 90 year plan. And, and kind of my key message is at the end of the day, you know, if we're trying to restructure an organizations and, and to kind of create the next evolution, the next version of organization, um, the uh, first thing we got to do is go back to basics. Uh, go back to basics and making sure that the foundations are solid because we can't be talking about hanging windows, you know, and curtains, you know, if there are a foundation, no one went down and checked. So I knew um, coming here that that was going to be the first uh, the first task, you know, do a thorough inspections, open up the walls, uh, and making sure that we had a strong foundation that we could build upon that. And when you open up, just so you know, if anyone did a remodel of their house um, that, you know, someone else has built before them, you know, and even if it was built to spec, uh, unless you were, you know, overseeing the, your contractor step by step, you know, you open up that wall again, you'll find things that you were done differently. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's okay. And in, in the I had I expected coming in that, um, you know, the idea of I'm going to do this by this time frame and that by that date uh, was just a guideline. I know those things that needs to happen. They might happen faster. They might take longer. Uh, but that's okay, but because I knew what had to be happening, depending on the what I was hap- what I could find when the mo- when moment that I opened up the walls and checked the foundations, um, there were many different things, many strengths that you know were pretty solid within the organization, uh, and they just had to be adjusted, reoriented, you know, but not really changed for that much, you know, for on the base development team, for example. Um, when I came in and said, you know, hey guys, uh, next year we're gonna double our numbers, and they roll their eyes like, mm-hmm. okay, guy. I remember. Um, but we, you know, end up the year forty nine, and I did not really replace anyone on that team. No, it was the exact same team, which just where was allowed to perform according to differences of expectations, um, let loose a little bit, you know, remove some of the breaks that was were imposed on them. And then second, you know, here's how you do it, you know, and just don't be afraid, just go. And voila, things happen. So a lot of times, again, we dealing with people, we all people, we individuals. We have to understand our strengths, our weaknesses. And then once you understand what an individual is good at, you know, focus on that, build those strengths. And then build, bring another team member to cover their back, you know, when they might be a little bit weaker or train them up or give them support. And that's how you build a team that ultimately becomes a leadership team on their right. They were already leaders, you know, but they were now given the platform of the, the venue to shine to the best ability. And the job of coming in as an executive, as a leader, that's my job is to make sure that I can, my team is the best version of themselves they can be. And occasionally, you know, people move on because other role snatch them up and that's okay we'll find the next individual and that's, do the same it, thing it's almost a it's almost a i mean we've dealt with that in, in all of my jobs it's, you succeed you get pilfered 
People yep. come in and steal your people because you're succeeding. It's 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 almost the downside of success that people don't want to talk about. Hi, everyone. We want to take a quick moment to shout out our podcast sponsors. Now, first, you might be wondering who I am. So let me introduce myself. I am Hannah Hannigan, and normally I'm behind the camera as the videographer. But today I wanted to be in front of the camera to shout out the people who made this podcast possible. Barrett McNagney and Sweetwater Sound are the two sponsors of our podcast, and they're both located in Northeast Indiana. If you don't already know who they are, let me introduce them to you. We're going to start with Barrett McNagney. As Fort Wayne has grown, the Barrett Law Firm has grown with it. Founded in 1876, Barrett McNagney is one of the oldest law partnerships in Indiana, and it's among one of the largest just in Northeast Indiana. They have the breadth of experience across a wide range of practice areas to provide you trusted legal counsel where and when you need it. And Sweetwater is actually the one we were able to purchase most of our audio and video gear from to make this podcast. So if you like how this podcast sounds or how it looks, be sure to check them out. Sweetwater, the nation's largest, and I would also add friendliest destination for music gear, is also your one-stop shop for all things podcasting. From audio interfaces, recording software, mixers, microphones, cameras, and lighting, Sweetwater has everything to get your podcast up and running. Enjoy personalized gear advice from their dedicated team of sales engineers, as well as free technical support to get your podcast connected and up and running. Really, what's not to love about that? So whether you already have a following or you're still chasing the next big thing, Sweetwater is going to be the ones to help you create a podcast that everyone will be talking about. So if you're interested in either of these companies, be sure to check out the links in our description. Now let's get back to the podcast. Jonathan has pointed out, and I've, I've been around, as you know, Stefan, for a long time and kind of on and off since the beginning of the organization. The thing I've always kind of broken it up into five-year periods. So the organization launched in 20, 2006. That first five years was really about getting the region to stop fighting with itself. The next five-year period was really about building around a common cause, getting everyone rowing in the same direction and moving that forward. And no coincidence that 2016 was when we received the first regional cities investment of $42 million from the state to invest in, in um, quality of place initiatives. Here we are now, uh, kind of, we, we from that 2016 period to 2021 is that that next five-year period, and that's that's where you came in, um, kind of towards the end of that five-year period. So we're really entering into the way I look at it as I break that out, sort of our fourth five-year period, um, kind of that, I don't want to call it the five-year march, but as we look at that, um, I'm just wondering, you know, how... Where, when you came in during the tail end of that, that third five-year period, we were lucky to get a ready, or not lucky, but successful in getting a ready investment. But also during that same time, the, the numbers did double on our key metric, which is business attraction projects that we're working on behalf of Northeast Indiana. So what was it, the tweak that really made that difference to go from hitting you know, target or records of 24 projects issued to the next year, 49 against a goal of 40. What really made that that change for us as an organization and your from your perspective? I think the biggest change is to, um, again, repositioning the team. Uh, at the time of committee, we had two individuals, one and a half actually, dedicated to business development. So we allowed um, one to kind of focus on his development, kind of took some responsibility off of him so that he can be um, less tethered, you know, and more able to um, perform as a, a sales guy. He had a long career in uh, technical sales, you know, so I knew he knew how to communicate, you know, how to talk to people. 
Um, and then I had a uh, individual that spent, you know, during the months of COVID, uh, while everybody was hunkered down, he was out there, you know, hustling. So I knew right away that, you know, there's very little to do from the individual rather than just put him into the right path, where to go, who you talk to, what to talk about, what to focus on, um, how to, you know, extract information that you want out of an individual to identify if there's a project or not. Um, so little tricks of the trade that, that you uh, kind of pick up along the way in the development in a cell organization. And again, coming here, um, I came from a, a, an organization that was hyper-focused on sales. Um, you know, back in the graphics from a council, GPAC, our annual metrics were about 300 projects per year. You know, and our landing rate was about 20 to 24%, depending on the year. Uh, so we have very large. So I knew, I knew for a fact um, that there, there are plenty of opportunities in the U.S. market, international market for project. You know, we're going through a tremendous cycle of growth, of reshoring, you know, from abroad into the U.S. There's some macroeconomic trends going on massive policy at the federal level uh, for uh, for project expansions, big focus on jobs. So I knew there was plenty of opportunities and projects, you know, uh, going around the country, uh, just even just looking at the conversation. Because again, our target audience is the same, whether I'm in Arizona, in Texas, or Indiana, we're still chasing the type of individuals, same types of corporates. So no, the portfolio is out there. The question is, how you get the same companies to also pay attention to to our region. Mm -hmm. So the demand side of the equation is there. All I have to do is tell the team, this is how, where you go to interact with your individuals. And when you meet them, here's what you talk about you know, and how you present yourself. Um, there's two school of thoughts in, in, in income development. It's an old school, you know, here's my piece of land, you know, and I can do X, Y, and Z in this land. Then, you know, come and see us uh, versus I'm here to become your partner in your, you know, in your journey to help solve the solution, the problems that you're facing as a business leaders. Old school, new school. When you approach as a second one, I want to be your partners. You'll be surprised how many more people are saying, okay, well, let's it seems like you understand my problems. Let's talk about our business environment. And so what do you think you could do? How can you help us with that? So that, you know, it obviously puts us in a, a much higher burden on our side because now we are, quote, unquote, consultants and yeah. partners. We have to provide solutions. But because now you are willing to offer more than just, like, here's a plot of land, you know, now all of a sudden now you become a value app partner in so many much more conversations and much bigger projects. I want I just dive a little bit deeper into that, but kind of a twist on a question Jonathan had asked earlier. Um, as you come in from out of market to Northeast Indiana, jo Jonathan asked about the. Does that put you at a disadvantage not having the deep, you know, steeped in the history and understanding of the community? Does it? Add, is there on the flip side of that? Is there an advantage to coming in as someone who's not steeped in the community? Because ultimately, yeah. your customer base 
is employers that maybe have never heard of Northeast Indiana or maybe have never heard of Phoenix. Um, so maybe come, never heard of Stefan Fergia. Yeah. So, for sure. <laughs> so, you know, the customer base isn't the same. Um, is there an advantage there coming in from out of market? Uh, just I, we've we've talked about the we've that's not how we've done things can be a shield and a sword yeah. uh, sometimes. I mean, it's a point of con. I mean, the uh, on the pro side is that I come in with an open mind about and structure new assets, new solutions that did not exist, no one thought of. You know, so I have the freedom of, um, of not being on a predetermined box. Uh, and I think as you try to come in as a value add solution provider, you don't want to be in a box to begin with. So I think that will be, probably be on the on the plus side. Um, on the negative side is that the uh, once you provide solutions, you got to build it. You know, you got to deliver on those on, on those uh, on those points. And I, one of my first meeting with that uh, was a leadership group. You know, the American Commissioners Caucus in Northeast Indiana. Um, my first speech to them, I made this. Uh, I could be a talking head. I could be you know a strategist. Uh, I could do all the things for you, but at the end of the day, I kind of point to to the crowd. You are my spine. You're the spine of the community. You're the spine organization. You know, if you're strong and in support economic development, you know, whatever we design collectively and decide, it can be accomplished because we have a strong spine that can bear the load and be that partner. Mm-hmm. If the spine is not there, but again, to be part of that spine. That's where, you know, now on the flip side of that, um, this is a still a, a market where it's still based on grassroots, on relationship. They go back to the high school, co- you know, comments. So in that reality, you know, to, to change hearts and minds, you know, being able to have that local touch in history and that putting, spending your capital that it's a lifetime worth of capital that people accumulate, they put on the line. Yeah, exactly. That, that really is tremendous value that I will never be able to, you know, put to a table because I'm not from here. And uh, so that's my limitation. And that's where, you know, the, the importance of partnership, of structural, meaningful partnership, we're in together. You know, I'll go there and hunt and gather you know, but at the end of the day, someone's going to sit down at that table and eat that meal, right. literally, and, and negotiate with the parties in good faith to make it happen, to be believing. That's the local people that, you know, the true Hoosiers, right, by generations, people that, you know, they're going to be here, you know, and their families here, they're rooted there, they're committed um, for the long haul. Uh, we, you need those people, too, uh, to be, be, be at the table. Because they're gonna own the community. I mean, they are the fabric of the community. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so funny. It's just just like in advertising. You you always want people aren't gonna believe your advertisement per se, but they will believe their friend telling them it's a good product. So how do you ignite that within the region to get it more fluent, more talked about, more shared? You know, I mean, that's I think that's we've done a good job with that uh, collectively as a team, but. Uh, I just have a couple more quick questions, and then, then we'll start to wind down. But um, you talk a little bit, or you 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 notioned towards leadership. Is there? Do you have a, a philosophy for leadership? You're a CEO. You're successful. 
Um, I've always looked at it like that it's the the P's, the passion, patience, persistence, perseverance, but you have to have purpose. And I that's the way I've always looked at things. I, I feel here at NEI, we've got a purpose. We've got marching orders and we've got a mission, and it's to grow awareness, grow the right awareness, get people to talk about us and the values that we that we have here and the value that we provide economically, socially, whatever. Um, but it's kind of a two-part question. Do you think that, that – was there somebody responsible for teaching you your philosophical leadership style? Uh, what is your leadership style? Where did that come from? Can you talk about that a little bit? I, I don't know. That's a good question. I think my leadership style is still evolving. Um, the uh, I would say that um, I always look at my team as um, – extension of me you know uh, extension of, of who i am um so i spent a lot of time i tried to spend a lot of time with as best as i can um, um to help them grow you know because if they grow and they get me and we are syncing up you know uh just with a look um i think then then we're we're humming and and we can go faster um, it comes development. You know, my my um, general philosophy is about speed. Um, you know, hard grinding, but moving fast. I hadn't noticed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, you know, it, it, don't it, edit that out. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's built on trust. You know, trust that we're gonna have each other's back. Uh, things will go wrong, and they typically go uh, go wrong every day. Something's always gonna come up. Uh, you gotta be okay with that, you know. For, so focusing on what you can control, and don't sweat the small stuff. Uh, was, it, was there anybody in your life that you thought that that taught you that, or is it mostly by default that as you're going through the path, going through the path? Yeah. I mean, I had my moments where, you know, ready to flip the purple table, and just because out of frustration, because I mean, there's nothing that is more frustrating that to spend sometimes a year worth of your energy and time of life on a project and then something minute comes along mm-hmm. and it's all gone it trips you up it trips you up you know it, the, the the sinking feeling you know so uh it takes a while to kind of build the stomach to kind of it's like okay well let's move on to the next one you know and not dwell on that um so i think in the you kind of pick up you know and build build capacity just by uh, going through life you know, that's why in the, um, you know, I kind of lean towards the fail fast, test the model, uh, minimize the risk, think about the critical factors, build a team that can sustain the pace uh, that is mission-driven. Because if they're not mission-driven, when, you know, you take away, you know, a project, a project goes away, um, will they sustain the model setback? Um, the emotional no more the, the emotional setback um, that, that will will trigger uh, if the, if you're not driven by the mission but driven by the thing the thing might not be enough to get you over and to do it again mm. but if you're driven by the mission then you'll say okay that was just you know the wrong stepping stone to the final goal I'm gonna pivot to the right left pivot to the right or just gonna leap you know so that's really you know how maybe it's a COVID mechanism that is turned into a leadership model uh, in economic development. But again, you know, even talking to, you know, other, you know, former colleagues and now that are also in position, uh, and we tried to talk to one another, it's really about that. You got to keep moving forward. 
Uh, and again, focus on what you can control. Be clear about the message. Don't lose sight of the mission. Uh, because the moment you lose sight of that North Star, you will get lost. And it, it's hard to do. I mean, it is hard. We, we all get tripped up. We all yeah. have a challenge in front of us. I mean, we reinvented NEI. It was NEI RP. It was a regional partnership. And, you know, just to come out with the brand and to come out with this philosophical movement and have it succeed is pretty miraculous because you're, you're changing the way you're talking about yourself as an entity, still trying to go to market and still trying to leverage the, the, um, the trajectory that we had before we changed everything. So, I mean, I, I believe me, I for one know how difficult it is. So, Stefan, if, you know, you, you took on this challenge, you move across the country, you move your two kids and your wife, you're all here, um, we're succeeding. You've set record after record, year after year. Uh, we've changed the way we look. We've changed our tonality. Um, we've got more resources, bigger teams, um, and 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 frankly, it's working. But is there is there one or two, or I don't care what the number is, but is there are there things that you're particularly proud of that you can look back right now and say, you know, over the past couple of years, I really I'm most proud of these things. Is there anything that comes to mind with that? Um, I'm proud of what we built. Um, the uh, uh, and the platform, especially. Uh, with the you know pioneer starts here, probably the, the things that I'm most proud of, because this is something that I you know has been in the back of my mind for a very long time. At the end of the day, you know I start talking about this is a people's business, and the most powerful medium you know to uh, to talk about anything is through storytelling. Yeah. Uh, so be able to have a platform that is designed on purpose to advance individual storytelling and you layer that with corporate storytelling. And that is what I expect ultimately, my hope ultimately that that becomes the thing uh, on how we, you know, evolve, you know, economic development to, you know, a place where storytelling is um, a collective effort, not just about an organization that um, is quote unquote pay to tell the story right but it becomes organic you know and you and that becomes the corpus of when you explore a new market you know well let's listen to the people what people are telling saying about the region about the state about the midwest people are proud of what they uh, are calling this home uh they don't need to hear from me or from ryan or from brandon or for you uh so where, but where do they go to find those stories um, so we are in a hyper-connected, you know, environment. You know, there's a lot of stories out there, some good stuff, a lot of junk. You know, so that's that's going to be our technical challenge to make sure that we don't get drawn out, but be able to actually have a strong foundation to start to build upon that, and for people to come in organically to tell their story that we can then help to be found, utilized, and. And advocated um, and, shared. and shared. See, I'm learning. Look at Fuas. Fuas. All right, we're going somewhere. Um, that's really what it's exciting, you know, because again, it it it's I see this as part of the general arc of of how you grow a community, how you do economic development, how you develop partnership, how you connections with uh, about business, and again, 
you know, if people don't know each other, it's never going to be a business. Right, right. You know, it's so funny because I, I think back to when, when we first started talking about the whole Pioneer thing and Pioneer starts here and such. And I know there was a lot of pushback because these the, the team members that had been here for a long time before you and I were here, they felt like they had worked hard on building and establishing brands within the walls here. Um, did when you when we first discussed the pioneer thing, pioneer starts here and how we have the rotator, it wins here, it shares here, it builds here, you know, that rotator. Did did you went with it right away? And I was pretty surprised because having worked with you enough now, you're very thoughtful not not meaning a nice guy, <laughs> I'm kidding. But you're very thoughtful. Like you will really think things through and understand if this could go south. Is this the right thing to build upon or whatever? Was there? Did you have something? You, I know you. You must have had a different positioning in your head before I came to you with the pioneer thing. Um, I wasn't thinking that way, but the concept, what the what you proposed, uh, you know, kind of pulled it all together. Things, individual aspects that. I've been struggling to, you know, org- organize, you know, elegantly in a in a way that's been in my mind for a long time. So that's why when you kind of come in with a, an elegant solution, it's like, there it goes. Okay. You know, because I've been struggling to put that puzzle together, you know, and I was just looking the wrong way, hmm. you know. Uh, so I've been selling individual parts and trying to maybe, you know, build a too, sh- too, diff- too um, complex structure. But you came in with a, a simplified approach that made it more sense and made it more actionable. Um, but those are things that you know I spent years and years and years, you know, with my our previous head of Marcoms and peer organization, noodling about you know how we do this, and and we had their starts and and, and failures, you know. But this has been, um, you know, I would say a dream, you know, but it's like it's been a challenge. That, I've been looking to solve for quite some time, mm-hmm. and now we have it. Now we have that platform. Yeah, it's well, it's the rule of threes. You know, NEI Pioneer starts here, and the three color. That's it's. It was the rule of three all the way through. It just I I, I really thought that we just had to simplify it mm-hmm. and still make it make sense that it wasn't too esoteric out there. You know, we're, you're gonna any company is its own worst client when it comes to that stuff. You know, and making up your mind uh, to say okay, this is the way we're going without a pivot is almost impossible. You have to have that that pivot in mind, begin with the end in mind, we always used to say. So basically what we would do at the end of each show is have a rapid fire. And I think you got to remember, we're, we're talking to ourselves as an 11 county region, but we're also talking to the planet at large to say, hey, here's who we are and here's what we're made up of. So I do understand that a lot of people out there that will watch this will never have heard of some of these things, but it's about the region itself and it'll get. we're hoping to arise some curiosity out of it. Rapid fire, Ryan. Rapid fire. We're a great minor league sports town. Fort Wayne Comets hockey, Fort Wayne Tin Caps baseball. Tin Caps. Tin Caps. DeBrand's chocolate, Coney Island hot dogs. I love chocolate. I love <laughs> sweet tooth, and that's my vice. Wrong. Wrong. No. I'm yeah, wrong. <laughs> Those are two wrong answers. I'm hot sorry. You'll have, you will have to uh, leave the show Three Rivers now. Festival, Johnny Appleseed Festival. Ooh. Three Rivers. Three Rivers? Someone... Uh, if someone is visiting you here in uh, in the county you live in, where would you take them out to eat? That's a great question. Um, Oyster Bar. Oyster Bar, okay. Oh, yeah. Any fun facts uh, about Northeast Indiana that you think most people don't know? 
Um, the Pistons were born here. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Detroit Pistons. Yeah. Zollner Pistons. Although right now, maybe we want them to not be here, but... <laughs> maybe we can make a pipe to bring them back here. <laughs> It'd probably be a good time. Get, get, them, a get them on the cheap. <laughs> if yeah. you had to make a Northeast Indiana bucket list, what would you add to the list? Um, but there was a conversation um, maybe about a year and a half ago. It was just happening quietly in the, in the business development kind of team. Uh, activities that people do... Um, during the kind of the 4th of July kind of summer and um, around the rivers and, and, and boating, all that stuff. People talked about it in a way that sounds super fun, but also maybe you don't want to be, you know, be seen over there. <laughs> so I'm not sure. It's like a, I'm kind of curious enough that I want to go and check it out. I don't know if that, that I'll participate on it, you know, but it's in the back of my life. It's like, you know, bef- before I end this, I want to I just walk away and see – what those guys were talking about? What really is going on on, on that? Uh, on 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 during those on those river boats? Yeah, they had. You did you get to get down to the? Uh, I didn't, and you, I haven't gone that far, you know. But it's <laughs> that's why I think it's a bucket list item. It's way way in the in the back end of the bucket. Well, I was down at the dragon boat races uh, for that, and that was actually pretty entertaining. Have you been down there? For that? I've, we used to. I participated in it a few years in a row. Oh, you're kidding? Yeah, me. it is very hard. Yeah, I'm sure. The SDI team, they train all year. Well, I drank beer and watched the race. That's what I did. Yeah, so that, that was my workout. Um, well, I think I think that wraps it up, unless there's any last parting words of wisdom you'd like to share about leadership or about your trajectory, anything. Anything about how great Jonathan and I are? You can certainly bring that up if you'd like. That's oh, you guys are amazing. Uh, he, see, he, Ryan, this is what a lie sounds yeah, like. Yeah, he might as well have said cut. <laughs> cut. Edit. <laughs> Um, I'm excited about, you know, 2024, I mean, at the beginning of the year, we got some, um, some great stuff in that, uh, we let some great foundations in, uh, kind of last year. Um, there's some, we're waiting some big news coming our way. Um, so, um, the, um, I think we, we built a good team. I mean, we have a strong foundation. Uh, we got a lot of positive momentum and wins in, in our sales. Um, it's not going to be, you know, smooth sailing whatsoever. Um, I already forecast that. But um, there is a lot of interesting stuff that will make the job, um, you know, fun. Well, Stefan, listen, you're you're a great boss. You're a great friend. And congratulations on all the success. I mean, you got to feel pretty good about where this is going. So thank you so much for joining us on uh, the NEI Pioneer podcast. And to find us online, you can always go to pioneerstartshere.com or neindiana.com uh, and also our YouTube channel. So if you like and share, uh, it goes a long way with us to get our word out there about Northeast Indiana. And Stefan Frigia, our guest today, the CEO of NEI, congratulations on all your success and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.